You're listening to The Power to Change, a sermon series about five words that have the power to change our lives. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, what's up, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. Hey, why don't you high-five the person sitting next to you and tell them good job? Yeah, some of y'all make sure you hit their hand, not their face, you know what I mean? Tell them good job, they're starting the year off right, they made it to church, good job, amen? There's no place I would rather be. Hey, so if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We're starting a brand new series, it's the first of the year, we're starting a brand new series that we are titling... The power to change. See, again, it is a new year, and it's a time when a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to make some lifestyle changes. Maybe you decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to start eating healthy. Anybody ever did that? You said you're going to eat healthy. You say, you know what, next time I go to McDonald's, I'm not going to get it upsized. You know, I'm going to get it regular size. And to make it all better, I'm going to give me one of them Diet Cokes, because that's going to cancel everything out. Maybe you said that. How many of y'all ever said, you know, it's a new year, I'm going to start working out? Yeah, you say you're going to work out. What about this? You're going to start saving money. Anybody ever say this? A new year, I'm going to start saving money. Again, we, we say we're going to do all these things. Uh, we, we often use these new years to challenge us to make changes in our life. And so here's the thing, though, is it doesn't matter if it's a new year. It doesn't matter if it's a new day. It doesn't matter if it's a new month. There are certain words that you and I hear, and when we hear those words, they really do change us completely. They can change our entire life. For example, the word hungry. The word hungry uh, really does that word change you. Absolutely. So you might not be like me, uh, but when I get hungry, if I don't do something about it pretty quick, I get angry. And when I'm hungry and I'm angry at the same time, that's called hangry. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and so I don't, ladies, I don't know if this happens at your house, but at my house, uh, you know, usually I don't wait around for people to eat. You know, once the food's ready, I, you know, does your husband do this, go in, get his food and then go sit down and start eating anybody? Like that, and so uh, that—that's really—that's really how I do. Amanda, uh, she is the last person to sit down and eat. And do you know why? Because she's busy getting everybody else's food ready. She's making all their plates. And so, some one time she got mad at me, and she said, "Why do you do that? Why do you do that?" And I said, "Well, baby, I'm gonna tell you." I asked her, "Have you ever been on an airplane?" And she says, "What kind of question is that? You know that I've been on an airplane." And I said, "Well, okay. What do they do before?" Takeoff. What do you do before takeoff? She says, you buckle up. I said, no, 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 no. Before that, really, what's something else that happens? And she goes, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? And I said, I'd be glad to, honey. Here's what happens is the stewardess, she stands up in front of everybody. How many of y'all have ever been on an airplane? You've seen this happen. The stewardess, she stands up in front of everybody and she shows people how to buckle up like this. You know, she wants you to know how to do that. She talks to you about how you can use your seat for a flotation device. And she also talks to you about if there's ever a change in the cabin pressure in the, in the, you know, in the cabin there or the pressure in the cabin, what will happen? Oxygen mass, they will drop from the overhead, uh, overhead compartment. And so she says, Robert, what in the world does this have to do with you getting your food ready before anybody else and eating? I said, well, it has a lot to do with it. Because what happens is the lady gets on there and she says, look, bef before you help someone else put their oxygen mask on, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put your oxygen mask on. Because in the event of an emergency, you don't want to be another person that everybody else is trying to help out. You know what I'm saying? I said, so Amanda, I'm basically doing the same thing with my food. Me eating is like me putting my oxygen mask on so that I can later help other people. And Amanda, she just kind of smiled at me and she said, 
sometimes I can't believe I'm married to you. <laughs> and I didn't know if it was a compliment or not, so I said, it must feel amazing, right? Right, right? So, uh, but again, when you're hungry, it really does. It changes you. It changes the way that you act. It changes the way that you feel. It changes the way you respond. And so during this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at just simple words. Simple words that when you and I hear, again, they really do have the power to change us completely. And so to start this series off, the word that we're going to look at today is the word now. Everybody say now. now. Say it better. Say it, say it louder. Now. Okay, now. That's the word we're going to look at. That word, again, has the power to change every one of us. See, I know that you know your Bible, but I want to. I want you to see something that we often lose sight of. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be uh, real quick in James chapter 4. The words will be on the screen for you. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. Here's what the Bible says. Check this out. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year here or there, carry on business and make money, while you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Do you know what that verse is saying? That verse is saying that your life is short. My life is short. Now, you may not be like me either, but I like to watch movies. Anybody like to watch movies? How many of y'all have ever seen a movie that really tugged at your heart and really got you emotional? Anybody like that? So there are certain movies that really do. They, they get you all emotional. I remember watching this movie called The Notebook with my wife years ago. And in that movie, you get to watch the story of two people fall in love and they just have all this drama. And then they spend a whole lot. They spend a long life together. And then they die holding each other's hands while they're sleeping in the bed. Some of you are like, Pastor, you just ruined it for me. Look, that movie came out in 2004. If you hadn't seen it by now, you weren't going to watch it. Okay. So, but I mean, we're watching that movie. Amanda and I were watching that movie. And Amanda's over there, oh, just crying. I'm going, what in the world? That movie didn't make me cry. Let me tell you a movie that make me, make me cry. Okay. How many of y'all ever seen that movie, Braveheart? Dude, that movie, man, it tugged at my, it tugged at my heart, man. I mean, William Wallace, he's, he's getting tortured, you know, and they're saying, you need to beg for mercy. And instead of begging for mercy, what does he do? He yells out, freedom, man, dude, I'm about to cry right now thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? It really got me. It really got me. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. In that movie, there is a quote. There is an unbelievable quote that, man, is so deep, has the potential to really make each and every one of us think really about our life. Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson, Gibson, Mel Gibson, who plays the part of William Wallace, what he says is, he says this quote. He says, everyone dies, not everyone truly lives. Everyone dies, not everyone truly lives. List. Man, that is a powerful statement. See, what happens for most people, most people, maybe even most people in this room, is that we put off the most important things in our life for another day. We put them off for another day. Instead of doing the things that we know we need to do now, we, we put them off until tomorrow. We are procrastinators. How many of y'all know somebody who is a procrastinator? Man, there are really some people who are so good at procrastinating, they put the pro in procrastinating. I worked hard on that, man. There's some professional procrastinators out there. Come on, people. Man. But seriously, the, the, Nike, the Nike company, Nike that makes appar the apparel, you know, whatever, clothes and shoes and glasses, all that other good stuff, they've got a slogan that many of us have adopted in our life, and their slogan is what? Just do it. We've adopted that slogan in our life, but we've added one word to it, one word to it. Instead of it just being just do it, we just do it tomorrow. We'll just do it 
tomorrow. But look at this, look at this verse in verse 14 of James chapter 4. Again, the, the Bible says this, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The great theologian Garth Brooks once said, if tomorrow never comes, you know what I'm saying? Don't put off doing what you know you need to do until tomorrow. You need to do it today. Don't put off living right until tomorrow. You need to do it today. The most important day for you and I at this moment is today. It's today, not tomorrow. Today it's important. And so let me give you, as we, as we start, let me give you about four things that I believe are enemies of today. Four things that are enemies of, I'm sorry, four things that are enemies of tomorrow. Check this out. If you keep a notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that is an enemy of today really is, is indecision. Indecision. How many of you know somebody who is indecisive? Indecisive. If you had to think about whether or not you really should put your hand up or not, you are indecisive. But I think that every man in this room, if you're married especially, you know somebody who's indecisive. Because right after church, here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, hey, where do you want to eat? And 99.987% of the women in the room are going to say, I don't care. And so you're going you're gonna to make a suggestion. And what is she going to say? Oh, I don't want to eat there. Even though she just said she didn't care where you eat. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, okay, well, what about this restaurant? And she's going to go, eh, she's going to make that face. You know, that face like, I, I don't want to eat there. Even though she just said she doesn't care again. So you know what you're going to do? Well, okay, you decide. You decide. I'm not making this up. The other day I, I asked Amanda, hey, well, why don't you just decide where we're going to eat? And if I'm exaggerating, it's only slightly. But I almost died of starvation waiting on her to make a decision, okay? It was, it was close. I'm, I'm lucky to be here today. But, uh, but anybody else, has that ever happened to you? I think it happens. More people were responding. But indecision, again, it's an enemy, not of, of tomorrow, but of today. It's an enemy of today. And sometimes all of us, men and women both, sometimes we have a hard time deciding anything. We really, we really do. But here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says this, an indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Translation, if you can't make a decision, if you can't make a decision, life will always be unstable. Life will always be rocky. You will always have trouble. And ain't nobody got time for that. So the first enemy of today really is indecision. The second thing that I want you to see that's an enemy of today is perfectionism. Perfectionism. That's an enemy of today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says this, farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch, for, if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. What, what is that? What's that verse saying right there? It's saying that if you wait for the perfect conditions, if you wait for everything to be perfect, you will never get anything done. John Goddard, who is uh, a very famous world adventurer, he is, he is known for making a, a life list of things that he wanted to do and actually doing them, not just talking about them, but actually doing something about them. He once said this about people. He said, some people wait so long for their ship to come in that their pier collapses. Some people wait so long for their ships to come in that their pier collapses. For a lot of people, a lot of ships have come and a lot of ships have gone. 
But because they couldn't make that decision and because they were waiting on everything to be perfect, they missed their opportunity. Listen again, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, all the right conditions, all the right circumstances, I want you to know that you will be waiting on this side of eternity forever because it's not going to happen. It won't happen on this side of eternity. So an enemy of today is indecision. An enemy of today is uh, perfectionism. And the next one that I want you to see is fear. Fear. The third enemy of today is fear. And I think this is a big one. I think this is where most of us actually live. And this is why most of us procrastinate and don't do what we really need to do. Why? Because we're afraid that it might not work out. We're afraid that if it doesn't work out, we're afraid of what people might say. See, I want you to see something that the Bible says. It's in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Solomon, who is the wisest person to ever live. Look at what he says. He says, the fear of man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The fear of man is what? It's a snare. It's a snare. It's a trap. But let me help you better understand really what that verse right there is saying. It's not telling you fearing another man or another individual or another person is a trap. No, if that's what it was saying, the rest of the verse wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. It's not saying if you fear people, you're going to be trapped, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. That's not what that verse is saying. The literal meaning of that verse, the literal meaning is your fear, my fear. Our fear often paralyzes us. How many of y'all have ever been in a situation where you were so scared, something was happening, you were so scared, you were so terrified that you just couldn't move? Literally, you were, paral- you were like paralyzed. You know, Somebody put a spider on you and you're like, ah. anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there? Somebody do something like that to you? It traps us. Our fear keeps us from doing what we need to do, what God has called us to do. So what do we do? Instead of fearing, we trust. Because if we trust, God is going to take care of us. You might be familiar with the story of the Israelites and how after God had freed them from the, from the bondage of Egyptian slavery, how God was leading them to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, what happens? They're trapped. The Red Sea is in front of them. There are mountain ranges on each side of them, and the Egyptian army is behind them, chasing after them, ready to really kill them and wipe them out. They are trapped. Well, God parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites, what do they do? They cross over. They cross through the Red Sea on dry ground. They cross through on dry ground, and so the Egyptians, they see this happen. They see this happen, and so they say, you know what? We're going to follow after them. We're going to get them. And so instead of them really being like, man, this doesn't look very safe, that's what they do. They chase after them, and when they get out into the middle, the chariot wheels, what happens is they begin to get bogged down in mud from a place that was just dry. They get bogged down, and they get, they get trapped, and all of a sudden, once the Israelites cross over, the walls of water come crashing down, and it wipes out the entire, entire Egyptian army. It's, it's amazing. And I know that there are some people who say, well, where the Israelites crossed, the water wasn't deep. So I don't really believe it happened that way. Well, maybe, maybe you can believe that. But if it happened that way, you've got to explain an even bigger miracle because how in the world did one of the most advanced armies in the known world at the time die, drown in two feet of water? You know what I'm saying? I believe it happened just the way God said it happened. And so they cross over the Red Sea and where are they going? They're going to a land that God has promised to give them, the promised land, right? They're going to a land flowing with milk 
and honey. After they crossed the Red Sea, they weren't going, well, no, where do you guys want to go next? They weren't doing that. They knew where they were going. They knew it. It was a short journey to the promised land. In fact, it was only an eight-day journey, an eight-day journey. But do you know how long it took the Israelites to get to the promised land? 40 years. 40 years. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. For 40 years, they procrastinated. For 40 years, they just lived life going in a circle. Well, folks, life is not supposed to be like that. Christ didn't die on Calvary's cross so that you would have a mediocre life. He died so that you would have a full life, an abundant life, so that you would have so many things that he accomplishes in your life. I love this poem right here that says this. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang or prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claimed he never died. Folks, we're not supposed to live our life that way. Don't live a life of good intentions. Don't, don't just wait around to do it. Do something with what you have right now. And when should you do it? When should you do it now? That's what you should do. So the, the three, there are three enemies so far, indecision, perfectionism, fear. Then the fourth, uh, the fourth enemy of today that I want you to see is laziness. Laziness. Some people who say that they are just waiting around for everything to be just right, they're not really waiting around for things to be just right. You know what they are? They are lazy. They are lazy. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13 says this, the sluggard, the lazy person, says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. You see what he said? Solomon right there. Again, he's saying there are some people who try to say they're not doing things because they want to be cautious, but the truth of the matter is they're not doing things because they are lazy. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says this, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. How many of y'all know some lazy people out there? Some of y'all are like, uh, I'm kind of lazy too. So you know what I mean? It took you a while to get up there. I mean, there are lazy people out there. But here's what's wild is that some of us brag about how lazy we are. Oh, I'm just a couch potato. I'm just lazy. That's not good. That's not good. Why? Because look at what Proverbs 15, 19 says. It says, a lazy fellow will have trouble all through life. How many of y'all know that life in and of itself is hard? And life in and of itself has problems. Don't add to the problems of this world by being lazy. Don't do that. Do something now. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Robert, what, do I, what is it that I need to do now? What is it that I need to do now? Well, I want to give you three things that each and every one of us need to do right now. As we start this new year, these are three things, I promise you, that will bring so much change in your life and change to the world around you if we'll do them. The first thing that I want you to see that you and I need to embrace is we need to live for Christ today. We need to live for Christ Today, remember what is your life? It is a mist. It is a vapor that appears for a short while and then it vanishes. See, one of the best video games to ever be produced is Super Mario Brothers. I don't care what anybody says. I know some people are like, I like Call of Duty. I like Madden. No, one of the best video games was Super Mario Brothers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, what other game can you like eat a mushroom and you'll grow big, you know? And, and then if you get this flower, you get flower power and you can like throw flaming boogers at your enemies, man. That's amazing. 
It's amazing. Well, when you're playing Super Mario Brothers, when you start out, how many lives do you get? You get three lives, right? So you got to be careful. I remember how just excited I was when I found out how to get infinite lives on Mario Brothers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That turtle will be coming down them steps, and you start jumping. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, yeah, I got those infinite lives. I got a crown. I don't even know what that means. You know what I'm saying? But you had all these lives. See, when you have infinite lives, you can kind of be careless with your life, right? I mean, if you die, it's okay. It's okay because you'll just do better the next life, or the next life, or the next life, or the next life. But folks, that's not how real life works. It's not. This life, this is it. This is the only life that we have. And don't put off living for Christ until a later day. Because again, we're not promised tomorrow. In the book of Acts, there's an amazing story about the governor, a governor named Felix. And the apostle Paul has been arrested. And really, he's been arrested for nothing. So they're having a trial, trying to figure out what they need to do with Paul. And so Paul is talking to Felix, the governor. In fact, he's really preaching to him. And I want you to see what the Bible says in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. Here's what the Bible says. It says, as he, Paul, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became afraid. And look at, look at what happened. He became frightened. He says, go away for now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. You see what Felix said right there? Felix said, I'll live for Christ on another day. I'll live for Christ some other time. I'll call for you when it's convenient. But folks, I want you to know that the Bible doesn't recall, doesn't record him ever calling for Paul to come to him. The Bible doesn't record Felix giving his life to Christ. It doesn't record him ever surrendering his life to Christ. It's just not there. I got an interesting picture that I want you guys to see. Check this out this morning. Here it is right here. All right. So I don't know if you can see that real well, but how many of y'all know what that red stuff is? It's called fire. That's right. And can y'all see the people in the front? Can you see those people in the front? This has not been photoshopped. This is not computer generated. This is a real picture. Can you see the people in the front? Everybody just shake your head. Yeah, yeah. You know what they're doing? Being idiots. You're playing golf. That's what they're doing. But that doesn't mean that you're an idiot. But these guys are being idiots because what is that in the background? Fire. I can assure you in a situation like that, there are far more important things that you need to be doing other than playing golf, right? And, and you might not see this, but there was a man and a woman in the background looking at the fire going, oh, wow, look at there, honey. That's amazing. Man, that's what's happening over here. I don't know if you can see it. Let me point to them right there. They're just going, man, we see it. What is that? It's fire. <laughs> it's fire, man. Just watch. And well, the point of this picture is there are so many people, maybe even people in this room, and you're living your life just like that. You're living your life just like that. You're saying, I'll live for Christ tomorrow. I'll live for Christ later on. I'll live for him later. But you need to know that, again, there is a fire that is approaching you. There is a fire that is approaching people. Remember, Paul is preaching to Felix about a coming day of judgment, about a coming day of judgment. And Felix looks at Paul and he says, I'll worry about it later. I'll worry about it later. Don't put off living for Christ tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't wait. We need to live for Christ today. The second thing that you and I really need to embrace this morning is that we need to live in community immediately. We need to live in community immediately, meaning come to church. When the doors are open, guess where you need to be? You need to be at church. I say this all the time, but it is so true. You show me somebody who steps away from the church, and I'll show you somebody who's about to make some serious mistakes in their life. I promise it's happening. I've seen it too many times. The devil wants to isolate you. He, he doesn't want you living in Christian community. He doesn't. I was watching YouTube the other day. How many of y'all ever get on YouTube watching videos? Yeah, I was watching some YouTube videos the other day, and there was this wildebeest, this herd of wilder, wildebeest. How many, what's, a, what's a wildebeest, Pastor? I don't know. It looked like a buffalo, okay? It's a weird, weird looking dog. So there's this herd of wildebeest, and they're like hanging out in this field or whatever. And then one of these wildebeest said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go off here. I'm going to get some water by myself. So he starts moseying on to this river. He's moseying on. He's like, oh, I'm going to get me some water. It's going to be good. I'll just enjoy life by myself. So he's down there by the water. All these other guys, all his friends, his family, they're way over here. And he's down there by the water. And all of a sudden, here come a crocodile. Real, I mean, you couldn't even tell he's moving. Looking. And all of a sudden, that wildebeest like, Wham! That crocodile chomped on that guy and got him. You're watching that video going, oh, he dead. Oh, he about to die. Oh, this is not good. Man, and he was about to die until 12 of his homeboys rolled up there, and they were like, they were like getting all over that crocodile, man. And that crocodile retreat. I'm telling you, that's why we need the church. You can't beat the devil on your own. You need the church. You need the body of Christ. You need to be here when the doors are open. That's what we need to do. You need Christian community. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to isolate you. He's looking for you if you're isolated. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, the Bible says this. It says, and all, everybody say all. And all the believers met Where? together. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. There are a whole bunch of people who claim to be Christians, who say that they're believers, but they never, they never, they never meet together. They're just out there on their own. And the Bible says that's an impossibility. I'm telling you, we need to live for Christ today. And we need to live in community immediately. The third thing, if you're taking notes, you want to write it down is this. You and I need to live with compassion right now. We need to live with compassion right now. See, all too often, each and every one of us, we're just concerned with ourselves. We are. But Jesus says, you know what? You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to live differently. One time Jesus was telling his disciples about this master who had put together this feast. He was preparing this banquet. And I don't know what kind of picture you get in your mind when you hear that word banquet, but what automatically comes into my mind is something very formal, right? A banquet. You got to be kind of important to, to be at this banquet. Well, Jesus is telling his disciples about this, this master who's prepared this huge feast, this 
banquet. He's prepared this thing, and he looks at one of his servants, and he says, I want you to go out and invite people. So the servant says, okay, who do you want me to go out and invite? And look at what Jesus says. Luke chapter 14, verse 21. The Bible says, the master says, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see that? Jesus is telling them to look for the people who have less than. Look for the people who are often overlooked. Look for the people who are often overlooked and have compassion on them. Love them. See, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost finished. Had fun today. But one time there was a deacon in the church and his name was Lawrence. The time is AD 250. Deacon in the church by the name of Lawrence and there was this Roman emperor at the time who hated Christians. He hated Christianity. But Christianity was growing and growing and growing and growing. So the emperor actually asked this question. He said, will all of Rome become Christian?" And so he thought to himself, and he said, not on my watch. I'm not going to allow that to happen. And so you know what he did? He started persecuting the church. But again, the church continued to grow and grow and grow. So the church, as they were being persecuted, what the church decided to do, what the church members, not the organization, the church members started to do, is they started to sell their property. They sold their possessions because what was happening was in order to stop this movement, the Roman government was confiscating things that Christians owned. And so they began to sell everything that they had and they redistributed it among the poor, among the hungry, among the orphans, and among the widows. And so the the emperor, again, he says, this has got to stop because Christianity is continuing to grow. So he goes after the pastors, he goes after the bishops, he goes after the deacons. And Lawrence, again, was a deacon. Lawrence was in charge of the treasures of the church. And so the emperor captures Lawrence, and he looks at Lawrence and he says, hey, Lawrence, I have the power to put you to death right now. But I will spare your life. I'll spare your life if you'll bring me all the treasures of the church in three days' time. Lawrence was forced to make a decision. You know what Lawrence said? Lawrence said, okay, I'll do it. So you know what Lawrence did for three days? He went all through Rome, and he gathered all the poor, he gathered all the orphans, he gathered all the widows, he gathered all the needy, and he gathered them in one place. And after he had done that, he went to the emperor, and he got the emperor, and he brought the emperor back to this place. And he said, you asked for the treasures of Rome. You asked for the treasures of the church. Here they are. Here they are. These people are the treasures of the church. Folks, you know that's why we exist today? To reach people who are treasures of God. They're treasures of God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He said, it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, start living your life with compassion right now. Live with compassion. 
Start loving people the way that I love them, he tells us. Can you imagine what would happen in Vicksburg, Mississippi? Could you imagine what would happen if the people who have just gathered in this room decided, you know what? That we're going to start living for Christ today. Can you imagine what would happen if each and every one of us said, we're going to start living in community immediately? Can you imagine what would happen if each and every one of us said, you know what? We're going to start living with compassion right now. Can you imagine what would happen? I think this world would be turned upside down. It'd be amazing. And I'm telling you, the time to do these things, it's now. It's now. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I wonder today if maybe you're here. Maybe you're listening online. And it's something that you hadn't even planned to do. But you know that today you need to give your life to Christ so that you can live for Him. You know that's what you need to do. You've been putting it off, waiting for certain conditions to be right. I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you just pray, Father, today, I surrender to you. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. I confess you as Lord. Father, and if you're going to be Lord of my life, that really means I surrender myself to you. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Enable me to live out the commitment I'm making to you this morning. Make me into a new creation. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Again, our heads are still bowed, but I wonder today, if you prayed that prayer, just right where you are, just for me, if you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you so much for the worship. I thank you so much for the word. Father, and I pray that you would help each and every one of us in this room to realize we don't need to wait to be who it is that you've called us to be. We don't need to wait to do the things that you've called us to do. The time to act is now. Bless us, we pray in Christ's name like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.